Aloha, welcome to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak, coming to you from Waikiki Beach. Today we have a returning guest, Pat Flynn. The last time we were on, we were, had Pat on, we never really got around to talking about what we wanted to talk about, which is his book, The Best Argument for God. And uh, we'll be talking with Pat when we come right back. Welcome to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. Kickstart that engine and roll thunder with the pack. Explore the grittiness of manly spirituality. Gain traction in the virtues. Zoop up your spiritual engine by turning adversity into adventure. Now here's Bear Wozniak. Let's ride. Aloha. Welcome back to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. My wife always says start off your show by making the sign of the cross in Hawaiian. So I'll do that. Meka'inoa o kamakua kekeiki hemalele. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know, but... Um, in Hawaiian, the word for a uh, young child is keiki. Hmm. Like, where are your keikis? Where are all the keikis? And so it's so, like en- so endearing when it says, Kemakua, uh, our father, keikeiki, the son, ameke uhana hemalele, the Holy Spirit. So we have Pat Flynn in the house. Uh, hey, Pat, can you just give us a little intro, intro uh, to you and what you're about right now? And then I want to... I wanna, uh, there's things about you I found out since our last interview I want to talk about. Sure. Yeah, well, delighted to be here again, Bear. Thanks for having me on. guess I'm about a lot of things right now. You know, fundamentally, Catholic, lover and seeker of the Lord, father of five, husband to my beautiful, amazing wife, Christine, writing a number of books, spanning a range of, of topics. The one for discussion today is a philosophy book, but I've got another one in the works, uh, this one on, on kettlebell, kettlebell training and fitness. Can't get too much of kettlebell. Yeah, can't get too much of the kettlebell, and uh, you know, just chugging along. Bear, things are mm. things are good. Busy, busy, but good busy. So you know, very very grateful for this state of my life. You know, crazy hectic. You know, with five small children and lots of business projects, but we're very blessed to be sure. Do you, do you feel like you're following uh, the adventure God has for you? I I do now. Yeah. So for people who didn't hear a previous con- conversation, you know, I'm somebody who came into the church in my late twenties. Uh, I'm not that much older than it, but it's been a fair number of years now. And uh, before that, I was more or less aimless. I was a materialist in both senses of the word bear. I was a materialist in the sense of like the hedonist sense. I chased material things, right? I wanted my business to do better. I wanted the the nice car and and you know, I thought, hey, maybe that'll maybe that'll do it for me. I was also a metaphysical materialist, right? So I was like <laughs> as materialist as you could get. Uh, in other words, or in other words, you didn't believe there was a God. That's right. Yeah, I thought the general sort of uh, description of the world that you hear from most naturalists was was probably the right one. And then, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, that that sort of collapsed for me. And as that collapsed, at the same time, I realized that all the ways I was trying to pursue happiness and flourishing were pretty much all the ways that you know Thomas Aquinas had systematically refuted. <laughs> Many centuries before, oh, but the, I didn't all know that, that, all that rookie, and, yeah, yeah, that rookie. Yeah, I wasn't totally aware of that dude, uh, so I kind of had to find out through hard experience. But I'll tell you what, sometimes that's the best way to learn a lesson. It's a little stickier that way. Usually, you know, like when I'm teaching someone how to do a martial arts or surfing or tandem surfing, no, they don't really know what they've learned until they fail. Yeah, because so if they do it right the first time, they don't know why that worked. Mm-hmm. But when they, when they, you know, do something counter to. Uh, the master. I'm not. I'm, I'm just using myself as a master because I am. No, I mean because you know God, I'm just using God as the example. When God shows us His way, 
sometimes we got to go we when we when we don't do it that way we realize oh now i understand now i understand yes. why god has a certain order why he made us man and woman for example not not three not not uh men women and then something some other confusion he has an order for everything that he does but you know you reading i was li- reading uh, saint athanasius yesterday about the incarnation it goes all the way back to um yeah there had to be a, a, a god who created mm-hmm. you know there had to be an all, not, not someone who made something out of something but the some the someone who made the something that he made things out of you know there, there has to be a creator but you so you came along that path but i want to before we get into your new book, I want to talk about, so you're, you started out, how old were you when you got involved in Taekwondo? I was in high school, so I was probably in, uh, oh boy, maybe about 10th grade. Um, and what, um, what led to that there was I had no athletic upbringing whatsoever before that. So I, I grew up with uh, my two f- favorite forms of exercising were sitting and resting and occasionally video games. Uh, so I was kind of the chubby kid of all my friends, and that's not a, that's not like you know that's not the the coolest thing. That's not the that's not you know particularly enjoyable. It's not like a super sob story. I still had lots of friends, but you know they they make their remarks, and eventually it kind of it bothers you a little bit. So I was you know just hanging out with some of my friends after school one day, one one of my friends in particular, and we kind of just passed by a martial arts studio that was offering a free lesson, and as a joke, was it like Rex, joke, was it like Rex Quando? Yeah, it was like, you know, a franchise <laughs> Taekwondo school, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That has since since gone out of business, um, sadly, because it was actually a good experience. Mm-hmm, so we went mm-hmm. in as a joke because, you know, high schoolers had nothing better to do. Why not? Why not just go into the martial arts studio? But I'll tell you what, I fell in love. That first lesson, I Me fell too. in love. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. fell at my, my friend thought it was a joke. He never came back. I didn't have any money, but I immediately just, just begged the instructor, hey, put me to work. I'll clean toilets, whatever I need to do. I know this is this is something that is going to help me to develop into the person that I actually I actually want to be. Now that is uh, essential. So you weren't just looking at it from a martial. I'm going to learn how to fight, but I'm going to learn how to be the man I want to be because of this. Yeah, you know, from from multiple perspectives. <clears throat> so I didn't really want to go to the gym because since I didn't really have an athletic background, that didn't I wasn't yeah you know, like all my friends were in the gym and I didn't want to put up with it. Right. <laughs> I knew, I I knew the sorts of comments they would make as soon as I walked into the gym. Right. 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 Uh, so I did I didn't want to go there. But I also knew I needed to get in shape and I didn't know how. So, you know, nobody in my family was of any help. My mom was your sort of stereotypical yo-yo dieter, collected a bunch of infomercial products. And I remember going down into my basement, just kind of like digging through all those. And it was just a a heap of conflicting information, right? So that wasn't really helpful. But when I went into that martial arts studio, I found a number of people, but particularly the master instructor who seemed really well put together. He seemed like a guy who just sort of had this fitness thing figured out. And I knew that if I spent time with this guy, there's a good chance that I might be able to figure some of this stuff out, too. Well, let me ask you a question. When you had your first test, did he test you or was there a master from out of town that came in and tested you, too? uh, For my first test, it was it was him. But later at a different school, because I went off to college before I got my black belt, um, it was the original owner of the gym from Korea who came in to test me for my black belt. Okay, so I want to talk about that because there's something about that. Yes. That is Catholic. In other mm. words, as a young man, you're looking for structure. You're looking for something that will build virtue, but you're also looking for the tradition. Is there a history behind this? That's right. And the mm-hmm. Taekwondo, I know my first experience with martial arts uh, was Taekwondo. And my teacher was an instructor who learned it in Korea as a Marine. 
But then his the people that came down. I was in Waco, Texas. That when there was testings, the Dallas master would come down, you know, and do the mm-hmm. testing with him. That's right. And mm-hmm. so you get the sense of this is a tradition. There's a way that you do this, and it's gone back for centuries. And do you think there's something in that structure that a young man is looking for? And I think so. You know, there's an inherent authority to it. And, you know, Catholics are sort of about the authority thing. And that's good. You know, yeah. we, need, author- we right. need authority in our life. And especially if it's a proper authority, that is a good thing to have. Right. Uh, we can't get we can't get around in the world without relying on authority. I mean, you you don't even know really where you were born unless you take it on authority, right? The authority of your parents, the authority of various institutions. So we need we need a proper authority. Um, and and I certainly thought that the authority that I had, Grandmaster Go was his name, um, incredible instructor, old school, you know. And I miss that about martial yeah. arts. Oh, yeah. It's gotten school. a little too soft, you know. These 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 guys never they don't let anything slide. Right, like mm-hmm. there are there are clear standards, and you either you didn't do you didn't you do, do your you didn't do your testing to music then, no, because <laughs> 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 you you did the, those old school forms. You yes. know, Taekwondo kind of un, underwent a, a bit of a change, but he he always did the older school. Me too, man. Forms, Me too. Right, yeah. uh, which I I appreciate a deeper, tougher in many respects. Right. How had uh, you, for, it, did you ever train hard enough that you almost threw up when practicing your? Your sidekicks and things like that. I mean, yeah, all the time, especially because I was on the uh, competitive Taekwondo team throughout mm-hmm. college, and you know, I'm, I do a lot of conditioning, especially with kettlebells. But there is something about the sparring, Taekwondo sparring, with all the kicks, constantly mm-hmm. having to throw your legs around, that constantly wants you to empty the contents of your stomach. There's n- nothing quite like that intensity of conditioning with Taekwondo. I've done all sorts of martial arts bare knuckle boxing, jujitsu, but the, the conditioning of Taekwondo is just on an entirely, I can't and, find a way to mimic it. And, and mm-hmm. you taught, you taught also? I taught, yeah, but a little bit, not as much in, in the martial arts world as I did the fitness world. But, but, yeah. when, you, but when you see a, a student that goes to that, that degree where you, then they go, oh, I'm so embarrassed I threw up. No, that, I'm, that's someone who gave it all. Yeah, especially absolutely. the younger, the younger, the young. You know what I used to do as an instructor because I trained in a lot of different styles. But eventually, you know, I have that the ninja background. I yeah. had an, when I had students, <clears throat> and it'd be hot. I would have them run laps around the dojo, yeah. and they were like my cooling fan. They didn't realize I just <laughs> <laughs> it works better than a than a ceiling fan having them run on court. But that, but I think that martial arts gave you a discipline of th- of thought. And form, and you think about the Catholic Church. When you go to the Catholic Church, it's almost like doing calisthenics. You know, you make the sign of the cross, you kneel, right. you stand, you sit, you, you bow you, in, you bow you, out. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. I never thought of that. Right. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. And not only that, but Bear, to tie it into your book on my show, we talked about every man needs a creed. Now, I don't think the Taekwondo. Wait, creed you know was what? The- hey, Pat, Pat, wait. We're already overrun the first segment. We'll pick <laughs> up on that in a second. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Be right back with more of the Bear Wozniak adventure. Now you can journey with other men on the adventure of a lifetime, growing in manly virtue through Bears Man Cave community in our three-year school of manliness. Join at deepadventure.com. Better yet, you can lead your own sons through the same compelling video, audio, and written content. Can you imagine how much deeper your relationship with your dad could have been and how much more you could have learned and pitfalls you might have avoided if your dad had a tool like this to help to draw you both into a deeper, life-changing discussion. Now you have a trigger that you can pull that will take you into gritty discussions with other men and with your sons at deepadventure.com. 
Deep Adventure Ministries is grateful to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the Bear Wozniak Adventure on EWTN. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union provides car loans, mortgages, SBA loans, and depository accounts nationwide, as well as 24-hour support. Go to deepadventure.com to find their link or go to NotreDameFCU.com. Mahalo to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for making the Bear Wozniak adventure possible. You can gain traction in the virtues in my book, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. And you can be inspired by my personal testimony of heartache and triumph with my book, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, both newly published by Sophia and available at our web store, deepadventure.com and also on amazon.com. This is a warning. The Bear Wozniak adventure is dangerous. The radical change Bear challenges you to is not for wimps. Change this station now to a soft rock station before it's too late. You've been warned. Now, here is Bear Wozniak. Aloha, welcome back to the Bear Wozniak adventure. Our, our guest, Pat Flynn. Uh, talking about his book, The Best Argument for God, and we're right now we're kind of covering a little bit of his, of his martial arts background because martial arts, in, in its in its purity, has a certain Catholicism element to it. You know, there's a certain order, there's a, a, a an authority there, a, a teaching authority, there's a tradition, uh, a hierarchy. So and there's a, creed. a hierarchy and the creed. Tell, tell us, in my book, I actually reference uh, the martial arts code uh, from Master Stephen Hayes. Right, right. So every, every every school has its own creed, but tell us about that. Yeah, well, it's I think you're right in your book where you say every man needs a creed. We need something to kind of form and, and orient our lives. Now we think that there is there are certainly higher and lower creeds, but I wouldn't say anything about the the creed of the particular martial arts tradition I was trained in was anything that's repugnant to the Catholic faith. You know, no. perseverance, self control, indomitable spirit. Right, right. I remember would, all those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would recite the creed, remember, right? Yeah. And those are good. It was all manly. Good. There was not nothing in there that wasn't. It's all about virtue, right? right you know, respect right. for your for your elders, respect for your parents, respect for your nation. That was part of the creed as well, mm -hmm. right? So, like, mm -hmm. these are good formative principles that, for me as a young man who was not uh, part of the Catholic tradition at this at, at this point, um, I think that I think they held me together. In a, in a very important way that if, if I didn't have that practice, I'm not sure where I, in what other direction I would have left. It's almost like there's a membrane there, a structure there that helped you in your, as Catholicism, as you begin to be exposed to Catholicism, there was already the, uh, the, the structure there for you to, to travel that same path again, to find the tradition, to find the order, to find the, you know, there was, there was, you know what I'm trying to say? There was a. I do, I do. Yeah, I think um, I learned certain lessons, not just in martial arts, but but music too, because I, I have a background oh, yes. in that. Yeah. That um, helped me to make sense of a lot of Catholic teaching. And to link it back to a conversation that we had, uh, one of those lessons was that discipline and freedom are not at odds. In fact, they're mutually harmonious, and discipline unlocks true freedom so when i heard that this was sort of a catholic thing right this was this is already a part of me that was like it like oh i'm totally on board with this right mm -hmm. all these catholic disciplines they make sense because i'm already in a tradition that's big on the discipline thing and sees discipline and freedom is like you know 
two wings of the same bird, if you yeah. will, right? Or one unlocking, unlocking the other, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a predisposition there, I would say, from martial arts that made a lot of the teachings of Catholicism yeah, it, enter into me more easily. Right? Yeah, it was just a structure mm-hmm. that you, okay, I know this is the, this is the, if I follow this path, I'm going to find something here too. And so then, and then uh, you, um, the, 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 your initial interest in martial arts was, uh, was the pursuit of fitness. For me, yes. it was actually the pursuit of, of what is truth. I pursued mm-hmm. it from an Eastern religion point of view. Eventually, found out that's not it, and I eventually found the Lord. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, it would. But, but, um, and then, and so that segues into your. You love uh, kettlebells. Two, one of my sons in particular. Two of my sons do kettlebells. One of them has a real passion for it. You know that that old Saturday Night Live saying by Christopher Watkins: "We need more cowbell." Okay. But sure. for some people, it's like you, we need more kettlebell. Tell us about your, your the fitness part of your life, because I think that the the people listening, we know that physical fitness uh, is, I think it's something God w- w- desires for us to be fit, so we can fulfill our mission, and also developing fit in in the fitness level develops virtue. So tell yeah. us about tell us about your pathway from martial arts into the fitness world and all about that. Well, sure. Just a quick point of agreement. Of course, our bodies are a good thing. They're a gift from God, and it is a matter of prudence that, that we care for them. Um, but uh, back to my story, uh, fitness was, at that point, I was both interested in it uh, for its own sake, but also I was becoming quite competitive with martial arts. You know, I had caught the bug, so I was always looking for ways to enhance my martial arts Were you doing well. forms, or were you doing sparring, or both? Uh, so for, for college, I was really big on the, because as you know, like Taekwondo sort of divides into two almost fundamentally different things. There's the sparring, or the sport of it, and then there's the kind of formal aspect of it. Now, the typically forms, you do the forms. You Isn't do that both, interesting? Right? Forms. Forms, right? So Plato, yeah. which is mm-hmm. so Augustine, so yeah. <laughs> very Neoplatonic, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so in my college years, when I was very competitive, it was more on the on the on the sparring side, right? There's a lot of stuff you do in forms that you just would never use in an actual Taekwondo match. It's just right. too extravagant, right? Um, right? You do it for other reasons. Uh, so I was, you know, before before I went to college, I was doing a lot of just good traditional lifting, barbell stuff, dumbbell stuff, bodyweight stuff. I get to college, and my coach at the time, one, still one of my great friends now, um, his name's Sam Sikdar, uh, he saw what I was doing in my fitness routine, and he, and he, he himself was just an absolute physical specimen. Just, just you know, hit like a Mack truck, just, just shredded, incredibly strong. So, of course, I'm like, hey, uh, whatever you're doing, I want to uh, learn about that, right? He's like, come down to my gym. He's and he's got the uh, he's got the whole dojo, and he <laughs> introduces me to kettlebells. At this time, I had never even seen one of these things. How, before, how, right? how long how long ago was that? This would have been for me two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, I remember about that time. On it sent me these. Have you seen those uh, primate kettlebells? That's right. Yeah, the the one with the, with the, the, the gorilla ape. looking yeah, ones. The, yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, yeah. I, they sent me a few of those, and uh, pretty fearsome looking, you know, but. He, yeah. yeah, so this would have been, you know, I think kettlebells kind of uh, initially, uh, because of the guy named Pavel Satsalin, uh kind of came into public awareness around like early 2000s, but started to get really popular around yeah, 2008, yeah. 2010. Right, so that makes sense. So Sam shows me this this kettlebell thing and takes me, you know, he, he didn't even take me, you know, he delegated it to a couple of his other instructors to take me through, you know, some of the exercises. And immediately I was hooked. Immediately I saw this is going to be a fantastic complement to my training it's efficient. I can check a lot of boxes at once. Strength, conditioning, mobility, all of it, right? Core, complexes core, and combos. Yeah, core, yeah. all of it, right? 
So, you know, I catch the kettlebell bug and immediately I go and I sign up for one of these certifications. It was called the Russian Kettlebell Challenge at the time. And I was yeah, actually it, the had, it had that Russian uh, history to it. It did. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very it was very Russian. Right. And yeah. it was very uh, sort of military esque. It was it was actually a, a, a huge hazing experience at the time I went through it. Uh, but it was a good experience. Um, so I was the youngest person to ever pass the Russian Kettlebell Challenge at the time. So as I'm going through college for, uh, you know, uh, academically not related to fitness at all i'm just training people and I'm, I'm teaching kettlebells i'm running classes i'm starting boot camps right this is the way i sort of just pay my bills i start a blog on it i start a youtube channel on it and uh but before i'm even done with my undergrad I actually had a book deal with wiley to write a to be a for dummies author and to start writing on fitness so business wise it's it's all been fitness ever since even though it's not at all what i went to school for and uh, so I kind of have a foot in, in two worlds, the philosophy world and, and now the, the really the Catholic philosophy world uh, and then the fitness world. So just kind of occupying these these two spaces somehow simultaneously, somehow trying to balance it out and make it work. Well, but that's I, very Catholic. I hope I think you know so. that we're think, spirit, soul and body. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. OK, well, now let's let's dig into the, your book, uh, The Best Argument for God. Um, let me see. I don't have my glasses here, so I'm going to. This is a new book published by Sophia, my publisher, too. Mm -hmm. And um, let's go through this. It, let, let me just read this the, right off of Amazon. Sure. Drawing from insights from philosophers Aristotle and Aquinas to Leibniz and Lonergan, you will find extensive philosophical reasons to accept and explain. Number one, two step-by-step -step cosmological arguments. Start. you got a, a couple minutes to get started, we'll, but we'll, we'll take a pause and you can let you finish that. But tell us about that. Two step-by-step cosmo. What the heck is com cosmological? What is a cosmological argument? Well, let me give a little background before the break, and then we can dive into cosmological okay. reasoning right. afterwards. So, I, if you go to Saint Thomas Aquinas, which I think is always a, a good and smart move, you'll <laughs> see that when he's considering the existence of God in his Summa, he only considers two objections to the existence of God, and this is a little stage setting for what we're going to get into. Uh, and I always found that interesting because if you look at a lot of the other things Aquinas considers, he often considers like a museum of objections. Yes. Here's 47 objections to some to some question or position you never even thought about. When it, but when it comes to the existence of God, which is a really big question, right? It seems really important. There's only two objections. One is the problem of evil, right? If, if God exists, how can there be any negative states of affairs at all? Wouldn't a perfect foundation guarantee a perfect world, essentially, right? And I talk about that in my book, but it's 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 later on. It's the second objection that really interested me because it's the sort of objection I think I would have presented, even though I would have formulated it differently, when I would have considered myself an atheist or a naturalist. And, and that objection is this. We don't really need God to explain anything. The principles of nature are enough. In, in more contemporary terms, the, the objection might be formulated like this. Hey, if two theories explain just as much, believe the simpler theory. Theism and atheism or naturalism explain just as much but atheism and naturalism is a simpler theory. So let's believe that. And and that's Occam's whole, razor, right? Is that what that is? Yeah, there's something of Occam's razor uh, at play there for sure, right? Um, and I have a whole chapter in my book on how we should think about simplicity. It's a, it's ironically a complicated topic. The, the chapter's called Simplicity. It's complicated. Yeah. It's not, philosophers aren't entirely clear about how to count something as a simple theory or why simplicity matters as much as people think it does so i kind of I, I get into that and i, I make the case that i well, think is the most probable let, we'll, right. we'll talk about that when we come back we're talking with pat flynn his new book the best argument for god 
And uh, we'll be right back with more of the Bear Wasnick Adventure. This is Daniel Boone Markham with another episode of Country Up. Noble. Words are important. Far too many fine words have lost their meaning and usage in modern times, perhaps so because the human race has degraded in such times. I have a mind that using great words can inspire each of us to, well, greatness. Words like righteous, virtuous, honorable, upright, decent, worthy, moral, ethical, exemplary, and reputable, and even a highfalutin word like magnanimous. All those words define the word noble. Now, most folks think of stuffy, high-minded aristocrats when they think of the word noble, that is, noble man. But a person can be a commoner and be noble. Nobility is a state of heart. Aspiring to and then actually becoming an exemplary school teacher or nurse is noble. Being the best bricklayer, office manager, or ranch hand is noble. Dr. Luke, in writing the history book of Acts, noted, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Dr. Luke wrote it's noble to do two things, to be open and eager to receive God's word, but that didn't mean you close your brain. Number two, he wrote, the Bereans examined the scriptures to see if what the Apostle Paul said was true. Yep, noble seekers, eager, open, yet assessing it all with intellectual rigor. After all, it was Jesus who said, keep seeking and you will find. Those noble Bereans found what they were looking for. Would we all be truth, seeking truth in a noble way, leading a noble life? This is Daniel the Boone Markham, countryup.org on a journey a few miles this side of heaven. We invite our mama bears to join with us at deepadventure.com. You'll have access to all of the Long Ride Home TV shows even before they air on EWTN. Plus, three years of the shareable Ocean Sunrise daily catechism videos. Plus, at deepadventure.com, a 20% discount at our online store with all of our great t-shirts and clothes and books and rosaries and medals and all kinds of accessories. You'll also get an autographed copy of Bear's latest book, and for a limited time, a Catholic biker stuffed teddy bear. All at deepadventure.com. Mom, Mama Bears, let's hear you roar. Did you know that each Saturday morning you can receive the shareable YouTube video version of the Bear Wozniak Adventure in our inspiring weekly newsletter, even before it airs on the radio or hits the podcast apps? Never miss another episode. You can even binge watch Bear's inspiring guests. Think about the impact you can have sharing these videos with your friends. Go to deepadventure.com and click the subscribe button. Be the kind of man that when he gets out of bed in the morning, the devil says, oh no, he's up. Go to deepadventure.com and invite Bear to speak. Aloha. Welcome back to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. We want to invite everybody to go to uh, our website, deepadventure.com, and there you can join the Mama Bears or the, the, the Man Cave and Bear School of Manliness and join, join others that are like-minded. Uh, and also you get access to all 33 episodes of Long Ride Home, the new season filmed in Hawaii, 
<clears throat> is just now starting to air on EWTN, but you have access to the private, the secret YouTube links that allow you to view it when you want and share that with your friends too. So we have as our guest, Pat Flynn. We were talking about, you were going through the two reasons, the best two reasons against God. And so, I, and I had to take a break. Go ahead and continue. Yeah, so the idea is many contemporary atheists, Aquinas was a, ahead of his time. He really did capture what I think the, the two best, you know, potential objections are uh, against God. But a lot of contemporary atheists will, will, will yeah, say, hey, we shouldn't believe that God exists because we can explain everything essentially through science. Science has got this, and naturalism is a simpler theory. So the whole thesis of my book, Bear, is not only to break that argument, but to reverse it. So my book argues that atheism can only explain some, but not all of what theism can, but only when strapped with far greater complexity. And then what my book does is That's it lines true. up a yeah, and then what my, I think so. Then what my book does is it lines up a whole bunch of explanatory targets. I say, here's the sort of stuff that we need a, a worldview or a philosophical well, Yeah, like the multiverse and all this other stuff, you know? That's... Yeah, yeah. So I consider the multiverse in the book at, at different at different parts. I consider that in relation to one of the explanatory targets, which is physical fine-tuning or order and stability. Mm. So I line up a bunch of stuff like that. I say there's contingency, the fact that some things are, but they need not have been. That needs explanation. There's consciousness, right? We're pretty familiar with that. There's rationality. Also, we're pretty familiar with that. Well, wait a minute. I want to talk about consciousness because sure. um, there's an argument now going into this whole AI thing about sentient beings, right. uh, which mm -hmm. is a little bit different. Consciousness to me is something, it's not just that you're aware of yourself, but that you're aware yeah. that you're aware of yourself. It's kind of, it's a, it, what we have is, as humans is much higher than what animals have. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would we would attribute certainly sentience to uh, animals, right? Uh, because they they act in a way that it seems like it makes sense to attribute that to them. Uh, what we have is not just sentience, but we have rationality, right? We have the ability. So I would I would distinguish sentience and, consci and consciousness from rationality. In fact, I make two arguments in the book that there's there's there is the conscious aspects, which is the qualia is a philosophical term, the what it is likeness to have certain experiences and to be aware. Right. That you're having those experiences, right? Which you're talking about, but then there's also rationality, the ability to make inferences, to enter into the space of reasons, uh, to have right? math, which, which to have math, the mathematical, <laughs> uh, logical Music. operations, right? All of yeah. these, right? Uh, and that is something that uh, these operations of formal thinking, right? Not just perceptual ideas, but intellectual or conceptual ideas, is something that the best of evidence shows is completely lacking among the lower animals. Uh, and an example of that is even though you can train a monkey, uh, you know, to react to certain sentences, they can't understand syntactically the difference between dog bites man and man bites dog, right? They don't have the ability to think on the conceptual level. They have the ability to operate according to perceptual ideas, but not conceptual ideas. I get into that in the book. But either way, putting the animals aside, I argue that naturalism can explain neither of these things adequately. It can't explain the qualitative dimension. The what it is likeness, not just for us, but I would argue lower animals as well. And it certainly can explain the rational dimension or semantic content and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of arguments for that in the book. But my book is a cumulative case. So I, I talk about contingency, consciousness, order and stability, fi or fine-tuning, physical fine-tuning. I even, of course, get into suffering and evil as well. And I argue that at each, at each particular point, either naturalism has no explanation at all, whereas theism does, or if naturalism is going to have an explanation, it's a very ad hoc one. It's contrived and it's extremely complicated. Uh, morality is another another sort of uh, explanatory target uh, where I make the case for theism. 
Now you asked about cosmological reasoning. So that 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 relates to uh, just to give a, a quick sketch of that. That relates to the the data, if we want to call it that, of contingency. And contingency is a word philosophers use to describe something that is, but it didn't have to be. A contingent thing is something where its sort of nature essence doesn't guarantee its existence. And we're pretty familiar with contingent things. I mean, just just look around, right? I'm contingent. This computer is contingent. It is, but reality didn't have to include it, right? Uh, pretty much everything that we're familiar with seems to be something that reality didn't have to include. And cosmological arguments essentially essentially argue this, Bear, that there's this whole class of things, contingent things, right, that by themselves are incapable of explaining why reality actually includes these things, right? And if we think that reality actually is intelligible, that things that sort of crawl, cry out for a, a, a further explanation concerning why they exist and why they are the way they are, then the only way we're going to get an adequate explanation of contingent things is if there's something that sort of escapes that category altogether, that there has to be something that's non-contingent or necessary, something that has a very special sort of nature, such that it, its nature somehow does guarantee its inclusion into reality. That is the sort of thing that could not not exist, is how philosophers like to put it. And then, as philosophers like Aquinas would argue, uh, that would have to be a very special sort of thing. Like, what sort of thing could be a necessary existent? And Aquinas, of course, spills an enormous amount of ink on this in the Summa, and he argues that this sort of reality would be a being whose essence just is pure existence or existence alone, a being that is purely actual. A lot of technical terms Aquinas argues, but he says when you when you run a conceptual analysis on this sort of thing, it turns out that this is what people mean by God. This is that necessarily existing, omnipotent, omniscient, perfectly good primary fundamental cause of all else that exists contingently so the arguments can get complicated but their general thrust is pretty intuitive there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't explain itself that in principle cannot explain itself the only thing that could explain it would be a very special sort of thing that when we think about what would be entailed by that special sort of thing we get pretty much the god of classic okay, well, let, that's what cosmological arguments are up and to. you and you go to this incredible incredible Old Testament book of a Hebrew nation that believed there was only one God and when Moses asked him his name he gave that argument he said well they, it's Yahweh is translated I am who am or I am that I am in other words right. I am who am I am existence and I am that I am or I am what I am I am essence I mean the deepest philosophical thought you can have and it's right there in the Hebrew Bible and it's not in the Greek mythology it's not in any other religion except for this one I am who am yeah, and then his and son's name I am who am salvation Joshua Yeshua and Aquinas uh, was very much hit to that fact as, as the kids would say he thought that this was extremely strong you know, confirmation. I don't think kids right, say yeah. that anymore. <laughs> I'm probably out there. When I was a kid, we probably myself, said right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, whatever the, the cool lingo is today, is Aqu Aquinas knew what was up. Yeah. Right? And he saw that, hey, look, reason and revelation are converging here. Yeah. Like, what we can know about God philosophically is just what is told to us or revealed to us in sacred scripture. Right? And of course, Aquinas thinks these things are compatible. Of course he does right mm -hmm. and that is remarkable i mean i'll tell you what when i was considering christianity that had a lot of pull 
Yes. Me, right. Because because I figured if some religion is true, right, then it should it should line up with you know and look philosophy reasons fickle, yeah. reasons fickle right? we can right. make mistakes but there's some things i think i do see clearly after i've spent a lot of time thinking about right and this right. god of classical theism is one i would expect then that this would conform to or fit with or also be confirmed by a true religion if there is one and what i found about the catholic and and i say catholic specifically because catholicism as a matter of dogma confirms I think the right philosophical understanding of God, a true classical theism. Not all of Christianity does. There's a lot of wacky views of God, philosophically speaking, in, in other denominations. So it was not only um, a considerable, I guess, uh, consideration for me in favor of Christianity, but Catholicism in particular, Isn't it, its dogmatic it, proclamations of, of the nature of, of God that converged, I think, with the best of philosophy. Yeah, and you think right? about, mm -hmm. and you think about, the love that Aquinas had for Aristotle and and the Neoplatonic essence of of, of of Augustine, and you even read like you read some of that uh, Plato type stuff. I think in Paul, I see some of his writings, and and you look at the Book of Wisdom. So much of that seems to have that 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 classical Greek sort of thought intermixed in that too. And so, of course, reason and faith go hand in hand. God didn't give us this beautiful rationality so we could throw it out and just say, well, whatever you say, God. You know, there's mm -hmm. that, that school of thought says, that says that if God says it's evil, then it's evil because God said so. Well, no, maybe it's just not good because it makes sense that that's not good. You know, that good and right. evil uh, have a... Have a have, there's a reason for them being good and a re reason for them being evil. We're talking with kettlebell, the, the kettlebell. You know, I always, I always have at people say, if you want to have more of Jason Jones, write to me and say more, more, um, more um, cowbell. If you want more of Pat Flynn, just say more kettlebell and write it in the comments. We're talking with Pat Flynn in his new book, uh, The Best Argument for God. We'll be right back with, uh, with his closing arguments on why God exists. This is the Bear Wozniak Adventure. People love our EWTN TV show, Long Ride Home with Bear Wozniak. Thanks to you, the show has won four different tally awards. And now, instead of waiting each week for the next episode to air, you can actually binge watch our show and even share it with your friends when you go to deepadventure.com and join the Mama Bears or the Man Cave. Along with all the other benefits, you get total access to all the seasons of our aired episodes, plus instant access to episodes that won't even air for several months. Long Ride Home with Bear Wastick, a great way to communicate the gospel in a gritty enough way that even tough men will stop and watch at deepadventure.com. Deep Adventure Ministries is grateful to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the Bear Wastick Adventure on EWTN. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union provides car loans, mortgages, SBA loans, and depository accounts nationwide, as well as 24-hour support. Go to deepadventure.com to find their link or go to notredamefcu.com. Mahalo to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for making the Bear Wozniak Adventure possible. When you go to the Bear Wozniak Deep Adventure YouTube channel, you get access to all of our free playlists, including hundreds of episodes of the Bear Wozniak Adventure plus the three-year journey through the whole catechism in our Ocean Sunrise Catechism series. And you even get short clips and live streaming of Baron Cindy's Adventures in Paradise videos. Go to YouTube and subscribe to the Bear Wozniak Deep Adventure channel.
still listening? I thought we warned you to change to an easy listening station. Well, you asked for it. Here is more of the Bear Wozniak Adventure. Aloha, and welcome to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. My sons did such a great job helping me with the show, uh, Long Ride Home, the motorcycle TV show, airing on EWTN right now. Uh, if you want to see all of the episodes, you want to power watch it, why not become a member of the Mama Bears or the Man Cave? And you get access to all 33 of those episodes. There's a lot of people that have been converted through watching Long Ride Home. A lot of men, especially. The women love to get this into the hands of their men or their, you know, their, their husbands or their, their brother-in-law or whatever. Because it's, they'll, they'll be watching these guys on motorcycles. And next thing you know, oh, they're talking about God. Oh, they're talking about receive, they're going to Mass. You know? So it, it's a way of inviting men in. Because no man is going to come to the Lord unless it's through grit and grace. You need both. So go to our website, deepadventure.com, become, become a member uh, of, of that. And don't forget my new book, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, is out now. You can buy it wherever books are sold or on Amazon or our website, deepadventure.com. And we have a fellow Sophia publishing friend of ours uh, on, on the show with us today, Pat Flynn, his new book published by Sophia, The Best Argument for God. Okay, so let me see here. I don't know where we left off, but I'm going to see if you covered all the topics here that Okay. Okay. Can can God be false? Oh, and I want to let's talk about God, the God of the gaps theory. Sure. And mm -hmm. then yeah, let's go into let's let's get let's go into that argument. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times in it's an in insulting it's an insulting argument. But yeah, it it is. It, it's sort of childlike, so it doesn't receive too too much ink in my book because I think it's a silly objection. But it does but receive a, a lot it's, of it's, ink. But it's a common one, so right. I, I made it a point in my book that I wanted to engage with very serious objections coming from, I think, fair-minded skeptics, but also you're going to hear these, so we might as well deal with them anyways, I, right? Yeah. So, the, Yeah, so the God of the Gaps is, you know, it's it's supposed to be a species of the argument from ignorance, right? And what the skeptic is saying, hey, just because you don't know how to explain something, it doesn't mean that God did it, right? And then they tell this pseudo—it's really a pseudo-historical story where presumably— most of uh, history, at least Christian history, was completely ignorant that there were natural causes, and slowly as science evolved, you know, the room for a, a divine explanation uh, kept shrinking and shrinking. Now, of course, that is a preposterous idea if you study history at all, Christian or otherwise, realize that they were perfectly aware of natural causes, right? Sometimes they were off on what the correct natural cause was. But very rarely would they actually just dude, say, "We don't, we don't know how this works." You, you read God these people; were, they weren't dumb, dude. There was, I is, guarantee you. This is why the virgin birth was considered a miracle. They knew that birth had a natural cause. <laughs> but you know, yeah, they, you know, they, 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 I'll tell you what, the, the, the average, you read the Greek fathers or you read the classic writers of the, of the Greeks, the medieval yeah. writers, I'll tell you what, they're smarter than most people on the college campus today. Those guys were smart. You read Augustine's theory of, of, of time, for example, trying to understand yeah. what the word now means and things like that. But right. as a Catholic, we, we know... Um, you really can't do science without the Catholic Church. In other words, uh, yeah. without mm -hmm. the, the Christian faith is what gives us that constancy and throws out the, the myth, myth of these passion gods that interfere with human life all the time. Right, and that nature is orderly and intelligible. That's and that a Catholic Christian explanations. Right, well, that a, a flows the world. naturally from a theistic worldview. It doesn't fit well with a naturalistic one. But to close the loop on the God of the Gaps argument, okay. when you understand the, the logic of theistic arguments, there's there's multiple forms, but two that I develop in the book are one are sort of deductive metaphysical proofs, right? And the logic here is we're starting from some aspect. Wait a minute, of wait a minute. What does metaphysical mean? 
Yeah, so metaphysical is, well, it means a number of things, but it usually means above physics traditionally, right? So it's, okay. it's the study of being, qua being is the technical way to put it. Okay. But the way it works in practice is, is, and this is used by Aristotle, it's used by Aquinas, they're starting their starting or launch pad for the argument is some aspect of experience that is really undeniable and you can't coherently deny it. Aquinas says, uh, for example, change occurs, right? And then what's happening there is, is they're undergoing a conceptual analysis through a string of, of different steps that proceed deductively to a particular conclusion, right? So all the cosmologic arguments in various technical ways essentially argue this, if the world, then God, the world, therefore God. Now, if you have a, a, an argument that is deductive in nature, where each premise is, is either entailed by a previous one or starting from some aspect of experience that just can't be coherently denied, there's no room for gaps in that, right? The logic of the argument is saying, no, the conclusion is entailed by these steps. So if you're going to get out of it, you can't just say there's a gap. You have to go and deny a particular premise. you got to give me an argument for where my argument went wrong, right? Because otherwise the gaps is completely irrelevant to this form of argument. The other form of argument is just inference to the best explanation, right? And this is a very common form of scientific reasoning. We have competing hypotheses, and then what we do is we say, well, how well does this hypothesis anticipate or predict some particular data compared to another hypothesis? That's not gaps reasoning at all, and philosophers do this all the time. They just do it on a kind of a, a higher up scale of worldviews, right? And so we can make an argument and say, well, look, this broad feature of reality, right, that there are conscious beings is a better expected thing to occur if God exists and here's the reasons why versus if God does not exist and here's the reasons why. Again, no argument from ignorance fallacy being committed there whatsoever. So the problem there is, I'm sure you know and your listeners know, is, and it should be... Well, actually, that, my brain is bleeding right now. All these yeah, big, all these big words. Well, let me make it simple. Serious atheist philosophers don't make that argument this is a this is a youtube comment type of argument because it's a dawkins argument it's a dawkins argument that it's it's irrelevant right and if you're going to address serious theistic argumentations you need to provide serious objections and this isn't one but those are some of the technical but that's ways what aquinas did man he he presented the 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 wrong argument in the best possible way it could be presented Right. These these knuckle draggers. I'm sorry, I shouldn't insult them, but but these guys who these the, these four what are they four horsemen of the new enlightenment or whatever they call themselves the five. Yeah, yeah. fortunately they're they're becoming increasingly irrelevant these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, and uh, but they they do the opposite. They they set up straw man arguments and then knock them down. Yeah, and and they seem entirely, if not congenitally incapable, of paying attention to the vast amounts of criticism that they receive even from fellow atheists right i mean take 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 a certain atheist philosopher michael Ruse, philosopher of, of science he said that dawkins book made him embarrassed to be an atheist. yes me I, <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 yeah and then you've got people like their 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 heroes anton flew who eventually became a believer and a, and, and a christian right yeah in, in, mm -hmm. in the very end and they say oh he just had his his Mind, he went he saw, crazy. He saw the end was coming. He was scared into believe something like that. And, right? yeah. and so, yeah, I think it. I, and that's I, and that I, itself, my friends, is called a fallacy, right? Yeah, and so yeah, and so you think about it. It seems like when you read their books, uh, they're angry. There's yeah. an angst. Mm -hmm. There's an angst there. And what are they angry about? Yeah. Is it that there's a God? Why do they talk about God so much? 
Why is yeah, it? This is this is something that I've had to ask myself there because what I realized was I, uh, I we might have mentioned this before, but I'll repeat it quickly is that uh, there are different types of, of skeptics or atheists. My skepticism or atheism was not motivated by an, an anger uh, at religion uh, or bad or a bad experience with religious people or I think this is a big one political motivations at all mm -hmm. it was just from the experiences i had just leading me to believe that there weren't good reasons to be a theist at the time until i you know until i came around so to speak so it wasn't like difficult for me emotionally or politically or anything to to make the transition and in fact it was pretty easy because i realized that theism could adequately explain and ground so many of the commitments that to me were non-negotiable right moral commitments Commitments concerning oh, yeah. oh, human yeah. what, rationality, what is, what, freedom did, of the will. Well, right, the, yeah. the, the very argument that says, well, if, if God is all good and God is all powerful, why does evil exist? If you're what is evil, then if you're if you're if you're a atheist, I mean, what is moral judgment? Why do you think, oh, it's so terrible that this happened to this natural disaster, which is a tough one to argue about natural evil. This natural disaster is so bad because it killed all these people. Or well, why is that morally wrong? Why is it any different yeah. than a, a lion tearing apart a lamb? You know, why is that? Where do you even get morality? You got one minute to tell that, and then we got to go. Yeah, well, the, the the quick answer, and I developed this much at much greater length in my book, is that I do think that a, a, a consistent naturalism veers inevitably towards what's called a moral anti-realism or a nihilism. Right, which is the denial of pretty much the entire moral dimension as people understand Did, didn't, it. Didn't Hitler come out of Nietzsche? In some degree? Well, I, th I think there are certain I'm not a an expert in all the historical details of that, but I think there was a, a fairly profound influence of, of he went off, he went off the deep end philosophical his... schools of thought that yeah. were one can argue if they were hijacked or distorted or not. Well, yeah, but, yeah, right. Um, but the long, long story short is like, yes, the theist has to be able to tell some story of, of why God created a world with this distribution of suffering. But the theist can tell that story. Right. And what I'll argue is the naturalist cannot tell any story. They don't. About yes. why the, right. And and look, some can they talk about good, no story. How can they talk about good <laughs> and evil at all other than as a social contract, which is or, or, or construct. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is what we see today. Like yes. more. Uh, we got to go, dude. So that's why we've got it's to get you fun. back on the we, show. We start yeah. having too much I want fun, you back right? on. I want to be back on your show again sometime too. But Absolutely. we're talking. Anytime. We, we, we'd yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, we did the last show I was on. I don't know if we were doing the the, the exercise one or the philosophical one. But I'd love we to did it on the exercise one, so people can find it on my Pat Flynn show. Okay, Pat Flynn podcast. show. Where else can they yeah. find you, Pat? The Pat Flynn show. So I've got two podcasts. I got one that's geared towards fitness. It's the Pat Flynn show. That was the one where we just had our conversation, uh, and I also have philosophy for the people. And people can probably <laughs> guess what that's, that's about. That's a great. Right? That's a great title we got to go dude talking with pat flynn this is the bear wasnick adventure until next week may the breath of the holy spirit aloha you aloha thanks for listening to the bear wasnick adventure find more manly conversation at the bear wasnick deep adventure youtube channel subscribe and ring the bell